you drill other holes so you can keep a constant supply of oil going back to your to your, your whatever and so my so with that I, I look at creative the same way like we are constantly kind of pumping out creatives and different article variations to find what works and then when we do find what works we extract it and uh, when that stops working we already have new ones uh, that are also working that we can start replacing and, and rotating into so so that would be how I go about it like from a philosophy way um, more technically like uh, usually we're starting with uh, something like three to five articles and then making three variations of ads per or like month couple months maybe uh, and then uh, per week for, for, for several months and then after that uh, and then we're reviewing all that through Google Data Studio on an individual creative level and then on an individual landing page level uh, compared with our platform metrics to determine what's working the best. On this episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast, we have Aaron Nosbish. In today's episode, Aaron's going to break down the importance of understanding ad policy and the importance of educational content, how to price yourself based on the true value you provide with no questions asked, and lastly, how to evaluate your business on a personal level that sets you up for the future. This is a great episode, y'all, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, everybody, we're back in action with another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ad Podcast. Today, we have a super special guest. He's killing it in the CBD realm. I'm sure you've seen some of the ads of his clients. They're all over the place, and he's actually casually on a houseboat over in Amsterdam right now, and he's just super exciting, (laughs) but I mean... These guys, they manage one, you know, one million plus every single month, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, all those kind of good channels there. He's the owner and founder of We Are Lucid, Aaron Nospish. How's it going, man? Dude, it's going well. Super glad to be here. Super glad to be chatting with you. I admired you from afar for a while. I think you're badass and uh, excited to talk with you about uh, ads and entrepreneurship and what's coming in the future and what to be doing now, man. There's so much opportunity out there. It's just waiting for all of us. Oh, for sure. And I mean, you're doing some super sick projects. We had a good little chat before this. So I mean, I know it's going to be a value packed one and our listeners are going to love this one. So appreciate it, man. But give everybody an idea of who you are, kind of what you're getting into and how you kind of fell into this, you know, situation you're in right now. 100% man. Um, Cool. So I'm Aaron, 27 now. I started in e-commerce when I was about 13. Before that, I was doing uh, iPod Touch videos on how to hack them and add the um, app store prior to the app store existing. Uh, so I got uh, from that into e-commerce with MySpace and Big Cartel. was big into that sh- uh, stuff for a while. And I uh, really cut my teeth in e-commerce with a brand called Monk. Uh, Monk was a, a personal and portable aromatherapy diffuser. We essentially took vaporizer technology. We stripped out the nicotine tobacco out of these products and added only essential oils or terpene. It's, uh, and each of these blends of pens would uh, give you a personal aromatherapy experience that would allow you to achieve like a state you want. For instance, we would sell happy and vibrant and sexy and sleepy and whatnot. So this was a really cool product. Started right around the same time uh, Jewel did. Um, and I really tried to scale it up. I was a CMO, one of the first people on the team. I thought I owned it, learned later I didn't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> learning, like, tough, tough lesson to learn. Uh, but we scaled the brand from zero to 100 the first year, and then from 100,000, and then from 100,000 to 7 million, and then from 7 million to uh, 15 million in annual sales, uh, which was really dope because uh, like uh, this was early D2C, early Facebook. And it was really interesting is Facebook didn't really allow advertising of, of these like vaporizer products they're very facebook's very strict about uh facebook or about vaporizer and e-cigarette products on their platform so they wouldn't let us advertise originally i wrote a letter to zuckerberg as well as like several other execs and was just like 
this is pure innovation. If you don't understand that, you've forgotten what innovation is and the corporate machine is such your soul or something like that. No one responded to me, but my ad account got unlocked uh, and like something happened to it where I could spend uh, and do so pretty effectively. So we scaled to $5 million in spend. Back then, that was a lot of money. Uh, on Facebook and Instagram with that 20, 2014 timeframe, 2015 timeframe, and uh, did so profitably as the first vaporizer product ever on social. Uh, and I learned something like really powerful then, which is like that innovation often happens through deep understanding of the current situation. Uh, or another way to say that is that there's a real opportunity um, through compl- to do compliant innovation, uh, specifically on like these big social channels that are essentially like many governments uh, like Facebook and Instagram and Google and YouTube whatnot. So with that, I uh, got into CBD space, uh, started a brand, tried to advertise it, couldn't advertise it, uh, tried everything, uh, did a bunch of black hat strategies to get them live. I uh, did get them live, drove 60k in recurring in a month, uh, felt like on top of the world, had figured out the sauce. And, uh, then just got blacklisted from Facebook. My ad account shut down, my personal profile restricted, my business managers disabled, the whole nine yards. I was pissed, man. Like I had already done the whole Facebook thing at this point. I had had like been to headquarters twice, met Cheryl Sandberg once, like really had some t- t- some some ties. And so I was pretty upset. Uh, and it's like, you know, as advertisers, especially like a lot of people in the, in the entrepreneurial space start as media buyers, right? So like, for me, it's like a lot of a lot of a big tool had just been taken away. So I started using my wife's profile, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and doing some advertising stuff, continue to consult CBD brands on how to build direct consumer brands in the cannabis space on how to build scale and exit. Everyone wanted to know how to advertise though. Like that was really the thing. And like, for those who don't know, CBD and hemp as well as cannabis, psychedelics and adaptogen products go through a lot of restrictions, including other non-compliant products like uh, sex products or whatnot. But, but especially this, this compound product, it's really interesting because there's federal legalization around it. It's consumer products that are really benefiting and, and disrupting the wellness industry. Yet these major platforms censor these products, uh, and so, so I everyone wanted to know. So I started, started started trying to find solutions to offer it compliantly. I contacted some friends at Facebook. Uh, had I known in the past, they gave me the internal policies that allow CBD and hemp advertising, and uh, and and what what was allowed. Essentially, what they said is that you could advertise educational information about CBD. You could advertise hemp topicals uh, as long as you use hemp language, or you could advertise advertorials or PR if they were educational in essence. At that same time, I started seeing ads by like Motley Fool, uh, and they were running ads about cannabis stocks. And like that blew my mind because I was like, how the hell is someone running ads about cannabis? Like literally marijuana leaves on their ads and all of it. Like I know this isn't allowed. Everybody would love to do it if they could, but how are they doing it? And I realized they were educating their consumers about cannabis stocks. They weren't selling products uh, and, or they weren't doing so directly at least. And so what, what I kind of, so I started doing this, started practicing this and seeing if I could run compliant ads. There were some brands in the space doing so pure canna and feels early on. And I was like, how the fuck are these guys doing it? Uh, and after just like a lot of work uh, and literally to the point where we had three to six business managers for our clients just to keep their ads live. Uh, we got to an inflection point during November of last year, during the election where like, you know how it is with elections. Like Facebook gets ultra tight uh, and very sensitive about what is running to prevent misinformation. And and so like everything got shut down, even all these three, six business managers per client. So I got to a point where I was like, okay, I gotta make it a I gotta make a move, I gotta make a pivot. So I called some of the best advertisers in the world that I knew. Uh, one of them was Nick Shackleford, who I was connected to through Chase Diamond. And then another guy uh, was Rob uh, Nail, who sold his company, uh, Social Method, for a shit ton of money to Power Digital, which is like a 350-person organization uh, doing in the digital space. So I made two deals with these guys to get very high-level support at Facebook. Uh, once I had that support, I already knew some things and how to pull some strings and was able to get um, some of our brands enrolled in, in what they call a protection program. This protection program puts like a higher 
closer view on ads uh, rather than a, rather than just uh, one of the 1,000 ads getting submitted to one of the 1,000 reviewers. And because of that, uh, rather than just like instantly rejecting our ads, people started paying closer attention to whether they were compliant or not. And by us being so compliant, so much so that we're actually creating new strategies that would be compliant for Facebook to decide if it's allowed or not, we uh, were able to get ads live. And because our ads are live and approved, our ad accounts don't go down. Because the ad accounts go down, don't go down, the business managers stay up. And thus, we've been able to create a whole industry of sustainable advertising for, uh, for CBD and hemp products. And I'm working on all conscious compounds, as we've trademarked it, to be uh, CBD and hemp. And then I'm working towards THC, um, adaptogen based products, because they're going to have a lot of restrictions as we go into this new phase with adaptogens. And then psychedelics is, is the big play. God. Damn, that's where we're at. (laughs) That's nuts. I still think it's wild in the beginning how you're kind of competing with the jewel industry, man. They they are a force, (laughs) dude. And they grew. So Monk grew to 15 million under under my tenure at at CMO during that same four, three, four year period. uh, Jewel grew to a 36 billion dollar company, and like there was actually one difference in our products, which is that they put nicotine. Uh, Like uh, like that was one of the cores. Otherwise, is that we were more focused on wellness and a, a pure life, where they were focused on you know, vape culture. But like what like the thing is man, I learned a lot. I learned at Facebook around that same time. Dependence based technologies are exponential growth technologies. So if you sell something like a nicotine based solution, like there's like you don't have to worry about retention so much because <laughs> people are just fucking hooked on your yeah. products. And so they end up buying them like crazy. Uh, and, and you can grow outwardly really fast. Now should you? I don't think so. Not in the nicotine space. I don't think it's very good for people. But I, but like, it's interesting to learn about building businesses on dependence-based technologies like nicotine or and there's other ones out there too. Uh, AI is an example of a dependence-based technology. Like at, over time, like we rely on it and it's able to do more than we could. So uh, it, it just becomes natural. Like uh, so, same thing with uh, uh, like iPhones. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, this is spot on. This is freaking interesting. So. With your, you know, experience in the CBD realm, you know, what's been your biggest win so far? What's your kind of rich ad here? Um, we're, man, I don't know, a lot. One of the biggest things that we found with like CBD ads is like uh, an educational flow is, has to be the starting point. So I, I'd start with saying like, uh, I, I'm sure you're aware of Ezra Firestone and like Boom by Cindy Joseph, uh, one of his companies. One of their big plays, is, so that brand scaled like $100 million plus. And like one of their big plays on advertising was educating the consumer as the entry point to the direct consumer's funnel. That's the sale. So they would run an ad to an article that talks about someone's experience or how they use the product or what it does, or just maybe a challenge that's currently plaguing the skincare industry for older people. And then that would naturally lead to more information on their site. And like it changes the customer journey from me pitching you to, uh, hey, here's just some value, uh, pure value that can help you along your journey, help you get to a solution. And I have maybe a solution that might be right for you. So we did that, applied that mentality to the CBD industry as a kind of our compliance strategy. That's super powerful because it, like, uh, it, it, it changes, uh, it, it makes them, if you can do it right, it can make a very, uh, very easy and effective sale. So I'll give you one example is we had a brand that was doing very low, uh, or s- small revenue, but a lot of organic, a lot of, a lot of hype, a lot of beautiful brand, uh, whatnot. They actually sold, uh, sold a hemp based, uh, drink product. Uh, and they ran ads. Uh, we ran ads with them, uh, using their creative, using their content, not showing the product directly. Cause you can't show the product directly as a promotional ad on Facebook for CB and hemp. 
but showing like what's inside the product. So showing the bottle pour out, like very on brand creative that spent on educational content about like uh, why hemp is a great alternative to alcohol or why people are making the switch from to, from alcohol to hemp or uh, alternative, alternative, uh, how to, how to, you know, put down the drink and, but, but, but can continue to pick up the vibe or the mood or something like this. And so we run into an article like that, uh, which gave people a solution to like an alternative to alcohol through something like a hemp, a hemp brand, a hemp drink in a very on-brand, sexy, beautiful direct consumer offered way. Uh, and then had that connect just to like a homepage. Um, and just like through tightness of educational articles with, uh, with offers like that, um, we were able to like blow that brand up. Uh, they've been out of product like for the last Q3, Q, Q2 and heading to Q4. I think it's going to be literally nuts. Uh, so that'd be, so one example is, uh, like this, what's cool about like educational content is like when you're dealing with any restricted industry, I, I think this would, I think this applies to every restricted industry uh, from what I can tell. If you educate the consumer, you can uh, kind of dismantle the uh, the restrictions around digital advertising. So, like, uh, like they're around promotion uh, of uh, illicit substances or or restricted categories. But like, if you educate, like, there's no there's no real restrictions on it. Just information about these products uh, or these ideas, and so you can do a lot with that. So, I'd say like one of the big opportunities I think people are missing in the direct consumer space is they get so hyper focused on a on a on a quick sale on that direct response, like push um, that they don't look for alternative ways to get a direct response, uh, like action through more creative uh, uh, content strategies and advertising strategies. So driving to educational content or just like coming up with some really strong pieces of value that you can give digitally uh, to your consumers and, uh, and having that be the entry point rather than a direct sale. That makes sense. Now, when it comes to these educational articles, <clears throat> are you pretty much finding a winning one pretty quick and ramping through that single article? Or is it kind of a volume play? Hey, let's see what hits allocate accordingly. Or, hey, these 10 are just the cream of the crop. Let's all just, you know, spend, you know, proportionally across all 10 Great of these. Question. Or is it kind of a one and done, you know, article, essentially? Great question. I, uh, I, uh, I think that the game of like, I don't think Facebook, I don't think any of the social advertising platforms in the future are really advertising platforms. Like I learned about that when I grew up on or grew or start build, started building on them or you like it's, it's, they're really creative distribution platforms at this point. Like it, they're, they're trying to democratize advertising so that my mom uh, can just log on Facebook and start selling her cookware or whatever she does. Like, uh, like, and so because of that, I think creative becomes the whole play. And obviously the industry has been talking about this for a while, but post iOS 14 or 15 and like leading into omni-channel advertising being like necessary for brands to really scale. I think it, I think it, uh, I, I think you have to test religiously. Uh, and so part of that is like uh, for all of our brands, we create three creatives uh, every week uh, and our pu- publish ready ads every week. So we're launching at least 12 ads a month on top of what the client's supplying us. And I think that's too little, to be honest. I think I, I should be like five or 10. If you have the spend to do it, five to 10 at least. And really, the more you can, probably the better. Um, but the way I always say it, man, it's like, it's an analogy of like, if you go, if like, if you're in the desert looking for oil, you drill holes and you drill as many as you can until you find oil. And then while you're extracting oil from that hole, you go drill other, you drill other holes. So you can keep a constant supply of oil going back to your, to your, your whatever. And so my, so with that, I, I look at creative the same way. Like we are constantly creating, pumping out creatives and different article variations to find what works. And then when we do find what works, we extract it. And uh, when that stops working, we already have new ones uh, that are also working that we can start replacing and, and rotating into. So, so that would be how I go about it from, like a, from a philosophy way. Um, more technically, like uh, 
usually we're starting with uh, something like three to five articles and then making three variations of ads per for like month, couple months maybe, uh, and then uh, per week for, for several months. And then after that, uh, and then we're reviewing all that through Google Data Studio on an individual creative level and then on an individual landing page level uh, compared with our platform metrics to determine what's working the best. If we find big winners, we'll do a lot of variations to see what else would work off of it, or or like if an article is working, for instance, like this alcohol alternative article. There's like a thousand ways you can say that uh, very effectively. Or another like another one we do on CBD a lot is like, does CBD get you high? Or like, what does CBD feel like? Or like, what's all the hype about at CBD? Or like, why CBD doesn't work? You know, these are all different concepts that can be expressed many different ways that would resonate with different audiences. And so we're tests like when we find winners, uh, I'm I'm always about iterating those um, those winners quickly. Scale to the moon, feel the fi- feel the fire, man. You got to there. Well, shit, that's Hell killer. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Funnel Dash's ad card, the only charge card exclusively for your digital ad spend. And if you're an ad agency that manages seven or even eight figures a year in media and ad spend for your clients, and you're looking to double your profits over the next six to twelve months, then check out Ad Card. See, the typical agency model is this: you charge ten percent of your spend. You make 10 to 20% margin at the end of the day. So that's really 1% to 2% of your client's spend that is profit in your business. The easiest way to double that is to really find a way to earn in that 1% to 2% cash back of the card that is on file of your client's ad account. And before ad card, what you had to do was invoice all your clients for their ad spend up front, which is really difficult on a cash flow basis and very difficult ask and then you had to put the card on your own Amex or whatever card of choice to get that level of value back into your business. With AdCard, it's entirely different and streamlined. You simply get your clients on AdCard and make yourself the agency of record and you'll get the cash back as long as you're managing the ad spend. It's a great way to double your profit without doing any additional work. Check it out at FunnelDash.com. So, I mean, with all these good scenarios, I want to hear of a nightmare scenario. So, I mean, what's your, what's your poor ad here? And I'm sure you've had tons of these being in these spaces. So, dude. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. I mean, like, and the biggest thing, like, uh, I honestly, like, the biggest thing that's nightmarish to me is that, like, at the end of the day, all of us working on Facebook and Instagram and these different social platforms, like we essentially just like work for these fucking companies. Like, uh, like we're like the foot soldiers, like getting people on them, making them profitable, and using the technology. And so the problem is when 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 I play that role, when anyone plays that role, is we're super dependent on their just belief systems. Uh, and the thing is, like these companies are just people, so they have belief systems just like I do and you do. And because of that, they they like they're biased uh, as well, even though they try not to be. Uh, like, and so because of that, I guess like. The ch- the changing tides of Facebook have been like the vein of my existence. Uh, like like the fact that like uh, specifically like in November, I mean, we had a point where we had twenty clients, uh, and then Facebook was just sh- like before we got access to this protection program, Facebook just shut down like literally like thirteen of our twenty clients in one day. Uh, and so then it's just like it's not even just bad ad; it's like downtime. And then the da- you have to factor for the, the people that you have employed on doing those things. Like they have to do something else. Uh, that's valuable. Uh, we have to create solutions for each client. We have to maintain the relationship. We have to figure out billing through that process uh, and and get them back live. And because it's like, or the option is to shut down. But like the need for this solution still exists. So if I just shut down, someone else will just set up to solve this, this is the problem. So it's like, 
you have to have that persistence to just get through it. Um, and so I, I like I find that like bad ads, they're easy to come back from. Bad like like big sh- big shifts, um, they require you to like really look at yourself and decide if you want to do this and stand back up again and go for it. Uh, and I find that like it's very like it's the challenge like that is pretty constant in in my life and I think in most people's life. But the response is the variable, like how we decide to go about it. Do we do we when we when we have that a bad ad or or the account shut down or like the whole business model seems like oh is this really the right thing to do like. It, deciding to stand up and realign it, uh, and 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 control your response to the challenge that life throws at you, it's where all the fucking opportunity is. Like all of it. Like if you want the opportunity, you face that challenge and you you deal with that nightmare ad or that nightmare scenario that you're experiencing in your agency or business or brand, and 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 you utilize it as motivation to take it further and go farther. And and that's how I do it. And it doesn't mean it's not fucking hard, man. Like I I yeah, like I know you get it. Like as an entrepreneur, I mean, there's not a more challenging fucking thing to do in, in life, I don't think. Um, but it's like, because it's that challenging, it also has the opposite effect of being that rewarding and that impactful to society. And so it's, I find it to be one of the greatest callings to, 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 tr- to try to create uh, and be an entrepreneur uh, and deal with those challenging situations. Because like, like, how else do we make change in this world? Oh, yeah. And I mean, sometimes those little rude awakenings spark more of a fire in there. Cause, and I don't think people understand, you know, what, what can happen to, I know with that men's health brand we, we were talking about before this, I mean, shoot, we had our ad account down for two days. And when we came back, our conversion rate was sliced in half. Every metric was just different now. So, I mean, there's no going back to the norm after something like that happens. So it's, it's, it's pretty interesting out there for sure. And that just calls you to be more proactive. So, I mean, being proactive is probably the biggest thing in this industry. I think so too. Adaptive. It's like, what, what got you here is not going to get you there. You know, so it's like as soon as it's and like often like those rude shakeups, like you said, they spark the fire. It's it, like those rude shakeups are usually because something's not working right, and that needs to change. Uh, like you know, it's uh, and so when you when like if you can just see it and not like get so involved in it, uh, and just see it and decide what needs to happen or change in order to get somewhere new, and and then be fearless about it because like what's there to fear? Like uh, then, man, like that's where those magical like uh, inflection point moments happen. And people don't get that. I don't think because it's hard. Uh, it's it, 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 like, it's tough. Uh, but, but if you can get through those, like uh, for instance, like, you know, me making a deal with uh, structure with Nick uh, Shackleford and making a deal with, uh, 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 with power digital, I mean, huge inflection points in the business that allowed us to scale radically uh, from those points. And then like, to this day, you know, like we're taking equity in brands now and, and building ad tech into our, our agency so we can sell it more as a compliant, like ad tech solution. Like it's, it's, uh, it, it, the challenges that are, that are causing you so much pain are usually the opportunities to create so much more success. Like, uh, Ryan Holiday talks about, you know, obstacle is the way often. Like, I think it's that play. Oh, yeah. And a good example of anybody's looking for business ideas right now is like, we're seeing such a case for UGC influencers, you know, dark posting essentially to where i mean if somebody had an agency to hey we'll match up these 20 influencers with your beauty products i would pay so much money for that <laughs> like i hate having to do the outreach like getting scripts out like it's it's nuts so i mean that's a huge bottleneck but that's a huge freaking opportunity there too so it's it's nuts and it's cross domain and cross platform you know i mean like you can if you're doing con- like being content being so important and creative being so important like people People get so caught up in the arbitrage idea of like, how do I just get a thousand influencers to promote my shit? But the problem is, it doesn't work anymore, and like it hasn't worked for a while now, like that. And the thing you got to find these influencers and these 
it's not even influencers. You got to think about it differently. You got to find people that really resonate with the product that have audiences that share that value system. And if you can find those people, it's organic. Like it just, it happens. But the thing is, someone has to put the attention and the soul behind that to find those people. And so if you don't have someone on your team, like it, it's fucking brutal. Uh, and I think there's cool solutions like Billow for like just pumping out content. But like, yeah. again, man, you miss the soul aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like when I tell you what I'm doing with my business, it's like, cause it's what I'm doing. Like I believe and I'm experiencing, you know? And so when, like whenever I'm working with the people, the influencers I really follow, they're, that's what they're doing. So I, I think there's a huge opportunity for someone to figure out how to uh, uh, create relationships, understand brands, create relationships with other people who have share those value systems and like systematically connect the dots. Uh, if, if people did that, there's so much opportunity in that space. And it's, it's so cross channel. Like that's not Facebook and Instagram dependent or Snapchat dependent or TikTok dependent. Like I think it's one of the biggest opportunities in the game right now. And there are a couple people who do it, but because there's only a couple people who do it, they work with the best and that's it. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think you hit it right on the head there. The influencer terminology is almost too tough these days. And I mean, I think a good way to look at it is brand ambassadors, people who have already had your brand, they they love your product, they may not have the crazy video skills. But I mean, selling some someone who actually loves your brand and actually likes your product versus, hey, I would, I'll give you a 100 bucks and some free product to pitch this, you're going to get better results from the ambassadors 99 out of 100 times, totally. essentially. A hundred times. Like, I, I think you're right. I, I'm a huge fan of Wim Hof method. It's like a breathing exercise. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's super dope. Yeah. You over oxygenate your blood, remove stress from your body, kind of experience like a meditative state. Um, and, but like, I have no relation directly to that company, but I'll preach the hell out of it. Like, because I love it. Like, it, it changed my life. It makes it so much better. It aligns with my value systems. And it's like, like when we're creating e commerce products, I was just talking to, um, a buddy over at Chacha Matcha, like it's a great product that he actually really cares about uh, matcha and like really wanted to express that and share it. And then finding influencers, not even influencers, finding other people with influence who care like you care, like that's it. That's the play. Like uh, that, because then they communicate honestly, effectively. And like we talked about earlier, real recognizes real. You know, like if if I was like if if, if people come on your podcast and talk bullshit, people know that. Like uh, same with me, like or, or you, like in but. So it's if you can just honestly find that alignment, uh, there's so much opportunity, and like you know, and then it's that abundance mindset I think there. Oh yeah. So let's go to the final piece of this puzzle. So you know the name of the podcast is similar to a book, you know, on the financials essentially. So I mean, what are some financial tips or principles you kind of live by for the business and even the kind of personal side of things that would be you know enticing out there? Just be clear, person like business and personal like revenue growth, finance, uh, like expansion, and how to go about that. It could be anything financial related. Essentially, it could be, hey, here's how we you know keep the cash flow so we can kind of you know really invest more in the creative side of things. How we look at you know cross selling yeah. internally, or it could be, hey, this is our personal <laughs> finance model. Me and my wife live by. <laughs> so you got options. Totally, dude. I I okay. I'll give you a couple. Uh, one is like. One is talk to smart people who are already doing it. That's probably the biggest step I could give. Like going to uh, conferences where people are already running successful agencies or brands or whatever, and I've already figured out how to make a lot of money effectively. There's a lot of tips and tricks that you'll just uh, start understanding just by being around those people. Uh, so I think that's the biggest. If you're looking for a hack, that's the hack. Like j- the hack is meeting the people that know how to do it so that you can just kind of absorb that information. But like, uh, but uh, like a couple things, you know, like, uh, uh, I think I think charge a lot. 
uh, and charge a lot by like creating a lot of value. Like the, the variables in revenue growth are how much value you create and how much it's worth to other people. Like, you know, and so like, w- like what we do with CBD advertising, like it doesn't actually make sense for most agencies to even try to do what we're doing. Cause it's such a cost an opportunity cost to switch their focus to what we're doing versus what they're doing. Uh, and the thing is because we focused on a challenge, something that other people weren't really focusing on, they wrote off as impossible. Like uh, it became ultra that d- because the supply went down, the demand of what we were trying to offer and create went up and we put the energy and time behind creating that value and because of that like we can charge a lot uh like we charge you know 10k base fees or 50 percent of ad spend uh with like uh on an ongoing basis sometimes drop-offs like decent amount to charge for for what we do and because of that but like i guess my point is people are super satisfied because we've solved a very challenging problem for them and uh thus they they're in it with us and they've experienced the struggles that we went through and so we relate to them really tightly and uh, because of that, they're very willing to, to pay the price to, to do it, to do it right and to do to really try to pave new ways. And so I'd say the biggest thing is like it's it, when it comes to just like finding ways to grow your revenue in your business, very like it, find like actually challenging things and solve them and then uh, share the story of how you did it with the people that you're trying to sell the solution to. Like just share it. Like we closed literally 85% of our leads that we got on calls with. 85 like literally and like how like one is just like qualifying you know people are interested make sure there's good brands and they have some cash flow they're ready to do it but it's like because the struggle they've experienced is the struggle i went through as well and came up with a solution and then applied it shown proof uh, that it works so then whenever i offer that to uh dylan let's say you own a cbd brand like it's an irresistible offer it doesn't make sense for you to say no because it's actually the same struggle you've gone through and i, I did create a solution and it's working so you, you're willing to pay for it. Uh, and, and, and then, then from there, I'm, I'm always focused on mutual growth. Like we call all of our clients investors uh, across the board. Like they're investors in our business and we're investing our time and energy in theirs. Uh, and, and both of us are going to win in the process. Uh, and, and so, so like I'm always just thinking about how I can make other people more successful client wise uh, and team wise. And whenever I don't do that, whenever I focus on myself more than I focus on them, I find that I, I lose money. I, I make way less money. Um, so there's like, how you go about revenue like on some personal levels like create your business structure you know like own your brand have that be separate from your companies have your companies be separate from from your core brand your identity otherwise they're going to be attached when you try to sell them make your uh have a good holding company in place maybe a couple holding companies in place so you can effectively do tax write-offs and investments into multiple businesses because like and and frame your life as a journey of doing projects rather than uh then this is what i'm doing and this my life is forever the reality is like at, as time goes on especially for the younger entrepreneurs that are finding a lot of early success like you're not going to want to do what you're doing now forever and the thing you do next is not going to be what you want to do forever and so because of that set up your business organization now to work on many projects over time that that pass through a centralized organization that allows you to make longer term investments while uh, that, that allow for passive income and, and your money to work for you while you continue to work on whatever you're passionate about. This frees you up from the need of money, uh, which is super relative, like, you know, but it frees you up from the need of money and, and starts letting you focus more on what you're passionate about. And like, for those, like, I've, as I'm sure any wealthy person you've talked to says, like, you can't be doing it for just money. Like money can be a, a driving force and it can be sexy and it can help you get there. But it's like really make real fucking money, real fucking money. Like, 
millions and millions and millions, uh, heading towards billionaire status. To do this, you have to be truly passionate about what you're doing and really focus on the value that you're creating, not the vehicle for value, which is a dollar or a Bitcoin or an Ethereum or whatever. It's not the vehicle. It's the value that you're actually creating that matters. And if you can really focus on that um, and be confident in passive investments from the, from, your, from earlier on in your life uh, and your previous products, man, like that's the place to be because then you're self-actualized and you can just go create like I'm hanging out in Amsterdam. I'm not doing this fully yet, but like I'm hanging out in Amsterdam on a houseboat with my duck friend Galileo. Like uh, it's, it's just, you can create, you know, and like do it more of a passion. I, I hope to do that only better throughout my life. But I, I think that, I think this is the play. I think if you can create systems around yourself like this, then you can spend your time doing what you want, make a shit ton of money in the process and change a lot of, uh, uh, like change the world uh, and a lot of people's lives for the better by create by focusing on creating value. Shit. That was deep, man. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think, I think a good part is talking to smart people, talk to people where you want to be. That's what, that's what helped me. I think a shitload over the last, you know, probably like four or five years me ago. Too, so, I mean, that's a good point there, but Aaron, man, anything kind of fun popping up in the future? Any cool projects y'all got going on over there? Um, how can the how can we kind of help you? Absolutely, I appreciate that, um, dude. I, we're we're growing uh, my my agency to be fully focused on uh, like running the advertising arm on the channel. So Facebook, Instagram, Google, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, Pinterest, running all of them currently. I'm getting on other platforms, kind of unlocking that whole world. So if you have CBD leads, if you have people that are uh, in the space that are looking for help by advertising, scaling the brand, send them our way. We're at wearelucid.com. Uh, we are lucid.com. And uh, my goal is to, to scale this company from CBD, then to THC, psychedelics and adaptogens, and then flip this company uh, next year for as large of an acquisition as I can to let someone else take it over and run it as far as they can with it. Other than that, I'm working on YouTube, man. Uh, I'm going to, I'm really going to put a lot of time and energy on YouTube. So you can follow me on uh, social at uh, Aaron J. Nospish, uh, my name. Hell yeah, Aaron. Well, man, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for jumping on. We'll definitely get you on again to kind of hear about some updates, man. This has been sick. Hell yeah, man. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rich Ad Poor Ed podcast. If you're like me and listen to podcasts on the go, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and richadpoored.com slash podcast. And if you absolutely love the show, Go ahead and leave a review and a comment. Share with a friend. If you do, take a copy, screenshot of it. Email me, Zach at FunnelDash.com. Show me you left a review. and I'll give you a free copy of the Rich Ad Poor Ad book. To learn more about the book, go to RichAdPoorEd.com. To leave a review, go to RichAdPoorEd.com slash review. Thanks again.